All right, there we go. All right. If you need an outline this morning, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one um, for the sermon here. Now, this reminds me of a story of my dad here. Uh, I'm not the most skilled, you know, mechanical person in the world. I try. I've had limited success with small appliances, but other than that, I'm not that great. But one time, uh, I came to his house. I needed to borrow a sledgehammer to drive some stakes in, but I didn't tell him what that was sort of as far. I said, Dad, can I borrow your sledgehammer? And he said, yeah, sure. What for? I was like, oh, I need to adjust the, the float on my swamp cooler. And he's like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, no, that is. Yeah, it's not, it's not nice to scare your dad. But anyway, it seemed appropriate at the time. So, yeah, it's a good one. Then we, we prayed the prayer of faith to raise him back up because he was about. Anyway. All right. Come tonight, though. Seriously, uh, good teaching on prayer. You need to hear it. All right. And so we'll leave it at that. But what we're talking about this morning is we're doing a series here on Sunday mornings called Things Jesus Never Said. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of interesting to look at the Bible or, or any topic from, you know, the different angle uh, to kind of see, you know, hey, what are, what are people talking about here? What are people looking at? And so today we're looking at Things Jesus Never Said, part two. And it's, it's this thing that I hear sometimes is, is that you can choose what's true for you or you get to choose what's true in your life. Now, honestly, we, we all are free to make choices, right? Okay, I mean, you, you know, some choices are right, some choices are wrong. But when it comes to things such as moral, spiritual, biblical choices, you don't get to just choose what's right for you. You know, the Bible may say stealing's wrong, and you're like, well, yeah, that's for everybody else. But, but for me, I choose what's right for me, so I think stealing's going to be okay for me. I think I can go rob people, and, and, and God's going to be okay with that. And listen, no! No, no, no. Biblical truth, biblical morals, they apply to everybody all across the board. You can't just pick and choose. I I like that one because it says I'll be blessed. But this one over here, it says I've got to do this. so I don't want to do that. No, the Bible and biblical truth, it applies to everybody. You don't get to just choose what's right for you. The truth is a set in stone thing. You know, there was a a poll done by the Barna Research Group, and uh, they asked people if they believe that there are moral absolutes that are unchanging, all right? So, you know, things that are just always going to be true, never going to change. Or if moral truth depends on your circumstances, like, well, lying is wrong, but in this case, it would get you out of trouble with your boss, so it's okay to lie right here. You know what I mean? Those gray areas. And so they asked if people believed in absolute truth, and by a three-to-one margin, 64% of adults said truth just depends on the person and their situation at the time. I'm like, that's kind of scary. I mean, so lying's wrong, except for if it's going to save your butt from getting fired or stealing's wrong, unless it's a poor person stealing from a really rich person, since they have a bunch of money anyway, it's okay to steal from them because they won't feel it as badly. You know, this is, people weigh these type of things in our day and age. And the truth is, is that stealing is always wrong. Whether you steal from a poor person or a rich person, it's wrong. Whether you lie to somebody you like or somebody you don't like, whether you lie to your boss or, or your wife or your husband because you think you'll get mad at you, it doesn't matter. Lying is still wrong. There are absolute truths. There are morals and things that just never change, even if it's 2016. The things of the Bible aren't just outdated from some you know book from 2,000 years ago. No, it's still alive. It's still powerful, and it still applies to our lives today. 
And that's my goal today is to show you why absolute truth is so important. And you can't just pick and choose what truth is going to be in your life. So let's go ahead and open in prayer and we're going to get into this message. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for a wonderful, awesome church that we have here and this great family that's assembled together today. Lord, I pray in Jesus name that as we open our Bibles, that you'll speak to our hearts, Lord. You'll show us things that maybe we've never seen before. Maybe you'll explain things we've never understood. God, remind us of things that maybe we've forgotten about. But I pray overall, you'll raise each of us to a higher level here today in you. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Everybody said. Amen. All right. So number one today is this is you don't get to decide what's true. You don't get to decide what's true. Now, this is obviously a very common belief amongst our current generation that you just get to choose what's right for you. You know what what may be okay for this guy over here is not okay for this guy or maybe, you know, you're cool with this and 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 I'm not cool with that. And so it's just whatever will be will be. You just pick your thing. Now, you're free to, you know, pick if you want cheese on your burger, but you're not free to pick if you're going to slap somebody or cuss somebody out. And it's just okay for you because you're not convicted about rage. Listen, rage or anger or blowing up, it's bad for everybody. You can't just say, well, that's who I am. That's how I, you know, that, that's me. Everybody knows me. I'm the guy that blows up. I'm the guy that just says whatever's on his mind and people just got to deal with that or get over it. Listen, I can't stand people like that. You know, I mean, I'm okay if you speak your mind, but I can't stand people that want to blow up and hurt other people with their words and then justify it and say, hey, that's how I am. This is me. You don't like it. Get over it. No. You think that's how Jesus was? He just went around verbally bashing people and said, hey, listen to me. You can choose what's right for you. This is what's right for me. I'm okay to go beat people up. No, it's wrong. That's just an example. But you don't get to just choose what you want to be and say, this is me. Get over it. No, you are still bound to the same morals and teachings of the Bible that everybody else is. You don't get a free pass just because you're cool and good looking. You still have to apply these principles to your life. And so absolute truth is defined as inflexible reality. Absolute truth defined is inflexible reality. It's something that doesn't change. It's an absolute truth. We have absolute truths of science. You know, what goes up is always going to come down, right? Because it's a law. It's a truth. You know, your your north and south are always going to be the same thing. East and west, they're always going to be there. The sun's going to rise in the east, set in the west. It's just what happens. It's a law. It never changes. You can't say, well, it's 2016, so I choose to not believe that. Like, believe what you want to, man, but that's the way it is. You know what I mean? And you can believe what you want to about spiritual laws or about the Bible. But guess what, man? That's the way it is. It doesn't change. And so uh, we live in a world now that says truth changes. Right. Has anyone else noticed that that truth changes? Well, this was true back for grandma and grandpa, but it's not true today because we've advanced so much. And we're so smart and educated now that. Listen, no, the truth doesn't change. And we live in a generation in a world right now that says truth changes. It's I'll show you two verses to prove this is wrong. I'm going to add one to the other and boom, we're going to get in a beautiful equation. Look at John chapter 14, verse six, John 14, six. Amen. Who's excited to be at church today? Tell you what, I love church. I man, I just love being at church. I love being with my family, with my people here. You guys are the best. 
I was talking to Patty and Tom a little bit ago about the National Day of Prayer a few weeks ago. It was so cool to see so many High Desert Word Center people out in the crowd there. Then I got Kim, you know, out there. Woo! I'm like, yeah, Kim's excited. I was ready to pray, man. It was awesome. But listen, we're a family, and I love that. And so I tell you what, man, I just, there's no place in this world I'd rather be than at High Desert Word Center. And that's the truth. But John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Did Jesus say, I'm a way, a truth, a life? I'm true for some people, but you, you, you choose what's true for you. I don't want to judge you. You just make it up yourself. No, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. Nobody gets to heaven without accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. doesn't matter how good you are. You could feed a thousand homeless children. You could, you could go out and, and fix you know, houses in India and do all kinds of wonderful, nice, amazing, charitable things. But that will not get you to heaven. Only Jesus can get you to heaven and everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not a hard thing to do. Anybody can go to heaven. They just have to call upon the name of the Lord. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the only way, the only truth and the life. Nobody gets to the father except through me. Now, I want to show you Hebrews 13, 8, Hebrews 13, 8. This is another verse that you should definitely know. Hebrews 13, 8. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth. You want to know what Jesus is? He's truth. He's love. There's lots of things the Bible says he is, but Jesus is truth. Hebrews 13, 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is Jesus different than he was 2,000 years ago? No, same guy. Is Jesus different in 2017 than, he's, than he is right now in 2016? He's, the, he's going to be doing the exact same thing. Loving people, saving people, healing people, doing all these things that Jesus has always done because Jesus doesn't change. If you're perfect, what is there to change to? You know what I mean? If you've already, if you're, what, what can Jesus possibly change to, to get even better than what he is right now? I don't need a new and improved Jesus. Jesus is just perfect with me the way that he is. I don't want Jesus to change. I want Jesus to stay the same as he's always been. And so if Jesus is truth and Jesus never changes, then truth never changes. If Jesus is truth and Jesus never changes, then truth never changes. Now, I want to say something that may sound kind of confusing, but, but just listen carefully to what I'm saying here. If Jesus changes his mind, then that means that he was at some point wrong. Right? If you're already right, you don't need to change your mind. So if Jesus changes his mind about things, that means that he was at some point wrong about what he believed. And that would mean that he's not perfect because perfect people, they're never wrong, right? And that's why Jesus is the only perfect person ever. And so if, if Jesus had to change his mind, that would mean that he was wrong about something, which would mean that he's not perfect, which then means that he's not worthy to die and save us, which means you have no hope of going to heaven. 
Because Jesus is the only one that was worthy to save us because he's the only perfect one, the only spotless, sinless, perfect one to ever live. And so why is absolute truth such a big deal? Because if Jesus was wrong about something, then he wasn't perfect, that he wasn't worthy to die and save our sins. Absolute truth is a big deal. It's a big deal to know that Jesus never changes The Bible never changes. And because of that, I can call upon the name of the Lord. He can save me. He can heal me. He can bring me peace, pull me out of depression, provide for my needs. All these things because Jesus is perfect and he does not need to change. He's never been wrong about anything that he's ever, ever done. Jesus does not change. So truth doesn't change. You know, and I've heard people that want to justify their choices, say things like, well, I know the Bible says this, but but God spoke to me and we kind of worked out a little deal. He's okay with me doing this. No, he's not. That's a lie. He's not okay with you doing that because you you don't get a free pass. You don't get to just do things your own way and work out your own way to heaven and all this stuff. No, it doesn't work that way. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except Through me, you've got to make that choice today and realize, listen, one of you is wrong and it's not Jesus. And there's been times in my life that I've had to say, "Okay, my bad. I was wrong, Jesus. I'm sorry. He's pointed things out to me before through the Bible, through, you know, through preaching, through other Christians where I've had to say, yeah, man, listen, I was wrong and I accept that. I don't want to admit that I was wrong, but I was and I'm not I don't have the audacity. I don't have the guts to tell Jesus, listen, you're wrong. You need to change. It's 2016. Things are different. That's outdated. I feel like doing this right now. I'm going to do whatever makes me happy. Listen, no, it doesn't work that way. And I have plenty of times. I just say, God, I'm wrong. I've, I've got to, I, I'm wrong. I've got to change because you're not changing. I have been wrong. And listen, nobody wants to say that. Nobody wants to have to make that decision. But you don't get to just pick and choose what you're going to do or pick and choose what parts of the Bible that you want to believe. Jesus isn't the Burger King. He's the King of Kings. You can't just have it your way. You've got to do things his way. And I can tell you this. When you do things his way, my God, it works out so much better than when we do things our way. Has anybody else noticed that? Has anyone else came to the you've you've made the conclusion that Jesus is smarter than you? I found that out. I mean, I found that out every time I do things my own way and my own strength and intellect, something really stupid happens, man. I just mess things up every time that I do it my way. But every time I do things God's way, it may not make much sense in the beginning. I may feel God telling me to do something. I'm like, that is nuts. That is crazy. That would never work. Do you realize how many things would have to happen, God, for this to actually work, for this idea? And man, God's sitting there saying, do you realize how powerful I am? Do you realize how much smarter than you I am? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're higher. If we'll do things his way, you'll come out on top every single time. He's perfect. He doesn't need to change. And so you don't get to define what truth is. Truth doesn't change, even if you say it doesn't. I I heard this story about a man that was arguing with Abraham Lincoln. He was in his office there. They were debating. This guy was an opponent of his and all this stuff. And so Lincoln couldn't get the guy to see his point. He said, "Okay, 
All right, let me just see, see where you're coming from here. How many legs does a cow have? The guy said, four. Lincoln said, okay, suppose that we call his tail a leg. How many legs does he have now? The guy said, five. Lincoln said, no, liar. Just because you call his tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. Truth doesn't change. Now get out of my office. He kicked the guy out. Because listen, if you're the type of person that, well, we're just going to call this that and, you know, uh, no, listen, truths don't change. Which brings us to point number two. It's this, that sometimes the truth hurts. Amen on that one. Can I get an amen? Sometimes the truth hurts just a little bit. And I've had times, man, that the truth has smacked me in the face. It doesn't feel good, but that doesn't change the fact that, hey, I was wrong. It's it's the truth. And so turn over to John chapter 4 here. John chapter 4. If you're familiar with John 4, Jesus was walking through uh, the Samaritan village. And so he sits down to rest and he has this encounter with a Samaritan woman. This story is known as the woman at the well. But John chapter 4. And here's, uh, I mean, a great example of Jesus just laying the truth on somebody because he wanted to help them. We speak the truth in love, right? We don't speak the truth or, you know, to, to hurt anybody. Je- Jesus didn't, you know, speak the truth to, to hurt people's feelings or make them feel bad. He did because he loves people, because God is love. So John chapter 4, verse 16, we're going to look at verses 16 through 19 right here. So Jesus is having this conversation about living water and all this stuff. And he says, okay, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Uh-oh. You guys ready for a truth bomb? Three, two, one. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Good. You certainly spoke the truth. Like, Jesus, did you have to say like There's an exclamation point there. He said, listen, yeah, he's like... Way to go. You're right. You're not married because you've had five husbands. You're not even married to the dude you're shacking up with right now. And I'm thinking, whoa, Jesus, calm down, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to offend somebody here. And Jesus, he, he, wasn't a, he wasn't afraid about it. I love verse 19, though. I love this. Sir, the woman replied, you must be a prophet. You think? <laughs> Gee, give her you know, the point for the bright comment of the day. You must be a prophet. Wow. I mean, what a truth bomb. And, and can you imagine if Jesus had said that to somebody in our day and age? We get the whole don't judge me. You know, that's my favorite. Don't, don't, don't judge me. I can, I can do whatever I want. You know, and so I have a list of the names that, I, you know, we get called and all this stuff. He would have been called an uneducated, hateful, closed-minded, old-fashioned, no good, intolerant, ignorant, judgmental bigot. And, you know, that's, that's just my list of names. <laughs> Every time someone calls us a new name for believing the Bible, I just kind of write it down. You know, it's like, okay, so I'm intolerant or check, uneducated. All right. So sometimes the truth hurts, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true. Sometimes the truth hurts, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true. There have been countless times that I've been presented with the, the cold, hard truth, and I didn't like it, man. There's some things I read in the Bible, and I'm like, nope. Why did I have to say that, man? I really. But you know what? Listen, if it says it, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to do what it says because I've screwed a lot of things up. And I don't want to do things my way any longer because his way always works out. And so I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul here. He was confronted with a difficult situation. Uh, the church in Corinth was a pretty sinful bunch of people. All right. Corinth was a very sinful city. 
And, and you know, he, the people in the church were doing things that, listen, it was popular in the culture, but I didn't make it right with God. And so Paul, he had, a, he had an option here. He could either confront them with the truth or just let it go to avoid hurting their feelings. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let's turn over there. First, no, chapter 3, go to chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so he had, he had one of two choices. We're presented with choices every day. We can choose to receive correction from God, or we can choose to just continue doing things our own way. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And so Paul had to get pretty, pretty tough with these guys. But look at this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Man, that hurts. Saying we're not spiritual, Paul. He says, I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. Man, you are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? He's like, man, these guys are fighting with each other. They're arguing. They get jealous. You know, one guy gets a raise on the job. The other guy gets jealous. That's not fair. I deserve that. Man, that's wrong. That's not Christian-like. You should be happy for your brother, for your sister. They're fighting with each other over stuff. That's not Christian-like. Man, you should... Some of the stuff that I see Christians fighting over is just completely stupid, man. What's it matter? Why does it matter? It is not worth the fight. It does no good. It helps nobody out. It's getting nobody to heaven over just the dumb things that I see people arguing about. Just let it go. And, and when you're like this, you're somebody that likes quarreling or fighting or drama. Man, Paul said, you're a spiritual baby. Yeah, I mean, you're a Christian. You're going to heaven and all that. But you're a baby, man. He can't, we can't give you much more than John three sixteen. Jesus loves you. God loves you. Rainbows and ponies. Have a nice day, brother. You know, and it needs to get to where we can get a little stronger than that. But if you're the type of guy or girl that fights all the time, quarreling and drama and just, uh, man, there's not, they're not going to get much farther. You've got to grow up a little bit and be able to handle the truth, be able to handle the truth even when it hurts. And so Paul came and he said, listen, I wanted to talk to you guys about some deeper stuff. I couldn't. You all are a bunch of babies. You fight, you get jealous, all kinds of crazy stuff. I, there's not much I can do for you. And so look over at chapter six. So Paul takes it a step further. Chapter six, verses nine and ten. And I mean, he, he just he's got to present the truth. He could hurt their feelings or he could present the truth to him. So look at chapter six, verses nine and ten. Because this is the stuff that was going on in their church. Now, now this is heavy. All right. We're going to lay it on you here. He said, don't you realize Christians, don't you realize church that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols, commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. All this was going on in the church. Paul had to be blunt with them. And again, I mean, he's like, boom, dropped the mic and had to walk off because what if. He said this in our day and age. Well, I'll tell you what, let me pull my list back out. You're an uneducated, hateful, closed-minded, old-fashioned, no good, intolerant, ignorant, judgmental, bigot, poopy pants. 
Well, okay, I added the last one in, but you, you see what I'm saying? The things that happen when you present the truth to people and, and all these things, like just people showing up to church drunk, people out committing adultery, coming into church, you kidding me? Cheating, Christians cheating other Christians? This is nonsense. He said, listen, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is not a popular thing to say. I mean, that is not popular to say at all because people want to be able to do whatever feels right to them, but still reap all the benefits of the kingdom of God. Yeah, I want to abuse people. I want to go out and get drunk and beat people up and cuss them out and, and cheat on my wife and, and commit adultery and fornicate and all this stuff. But praise God, I want the peace of God in my life. Rain down, Holy Spirit, peace. Like, Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? And it it would be funny if it wasn't so stinking sad that it happened back then and it happens now. Well, I know the Bible says, you know, fornication and adultery and cheating on your husband or wife is wrong. But praise God, this is a new day and age. Grace rain down. You know, I'll do whatever I want to do because truth is just what it means to you inside of your heart. No, Jesus never said that. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And Paul said, if you're living this way, you're not going to get into heaven. You are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And listen, that probably hurt some people's feelings really, really bad. That probably rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But he dared to speak the truth anyway. Now, let me show you something, because Paul wrote another letter to the Corinthians. Does anybody know what it is? Very good. All right. Second Corinthians. And so let me show you Second Corinthians chapter seven. Second Corinthians chapter seven. So Paul just he laid, you know, both truth barrels on him there. But he did it out of love. He wasn't doing that to hurt people or make them mad or, you know, tell them they're wicked and evil. He was just like, I'm warning you. You continue this. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I think that's about the nicest thing you could do to somebody is tell them, hey, you know, it says this. And, you know, I want you to go to heaven because I love you. I think it's horrifically mean to not tell somebody the truth. In fact, that's about the most mean thing you can do is you see somebody headed down a destructive path and you don't do anything or say anything because you don't want to hurt their feelings. You know what you are? You're an uneducated, intolerant me. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Poopy pants. All right. Second Corinthians seven. We're going to look um, at verse eight. Look at what Paul said here. He said, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. So he's like, it hurt me to have to say those things, guys. I, I did not want to have to say that that hurt to write that letter. But look at this. But now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurts you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And so I love that, that Paul was like, man. Listen, that wasn't easy for me to do. I hated writing that letter. I didn't want to hurt you guys. But now I'm glad that I did because you received the truth and you repented and you changed your ways. How cool is that? That that, that Paul had the guts to stand up to a church and a culture and a city where all of these things were very much happening. There was one guy in this church that was in an incestuous relationship with his with his mom. 
I mean, what on earth? What, what in the world is that? And I see stuff happening like that in our day and age. Honest to God, I read that in the newspaper the other day. Like, this dude wants to marry his biological mother, and they're going to let him. I'm like, what on earth? That is always going to be wrong. I don't care what year it is. There is never a point in time where that's going to be okay. Ever. And so I'm glad that Paul had the guts to stand up and say, no, 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 no. I love you enough to tell you, if you do this, you're not getting into heaven. I'm not saying this because I'm mad or mean or, you know, whatever. I'm saying that because I love you. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to have peace and joy. And none of these things are going to bring that about. He told the truth, even when it was unpopular. And thank God. Why? Because point number three is this, is that the truth sets you free. The truth will set you free. If you'll receive the truth, if you'll accept the truth, if you'll accept Jesus, who is truth, who never changes, if you'll accept him into your life, he will set you free from whatever has held you back for years. Peter said that you're a slave to whatever controls you. What is it that controls you? I know people that are controlled by fear. They won't do they won't do things because they're flat out too afraid. Even though they know it's something God's put in their heart, it's a desire that God's put there, it's something God's told them. Maybe they read in the Bible that I listen, I know it says that, I know God spoke to me. I can't step out and do that, man. What if it doesn't work? What if I, what if what if God, you know, what if I'm wrong? What, what if God, what, what if God didn't mean that? What, what if, what if fear controls them and stops them from doing things in life? That's sad, man. I don't want to see anybody like that. I want to see us free from fear, from addiction, from depression, from, from all the things that try to hold us back. And if you are living a lie, if you just, if you can't accept the truth, you're not going to be set free because the truth sets you free. And if you're not willing to accept it, Enjoy your life as a slave to whatever controls you. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. So John 8, 32, probably a verse you can all quote, but John 8, 32, let's flip over there. John chapter 8, verse 32. So Jesus wasn't kidding around about this truth thing. He was very serious. He said, I, I am truth. That's what I am. But John chapter 8, verse 32 And Jesus once again says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You've got to know the truth. You've got to accept the truth. The truth will set you free if you'll live your life according to the truth. Because I know a lot of people, they know different verses the Bible says, but just knowing it. That doesn't set them free because they're still out doing the same old stuff every day. They're still out too afraid to, to, to obey God, too afraid to step out, too afraid to do these things. Listen, that's not doing you any good just to comprehend. And yes, I've memorized John eight thirty two. Yes, I've memorized John three sixteen, Romans ten thirteen. That's nice that you've memorized that. But are you obeying it? Are you doing it? Have you received and accepted the truth? Because when you do, it will set you free and it'll rock your world to the core, man. It'll change everything that's tried to hold you back. And so did the truth set the people in Corinth free? Apparently, in 2 Corinthians 7, it said they did. They accepted the truth, even though it hurt, and it set them free, man. They changed their ways, and they were on their way to heaven because they accepted and received the truth. 
And so I want to go back and revisit the woman at the well. Let's see if she got mad and exploded at Jesus and called him, you know, you know my list of names and all that. Or did she receive the truth? So John chapter 4, so just flip back a couple pages. John chapter 4, verse 28. So Jesus tells her all this stuff, and I mean, and he starts prophesying and telling her these things. John chapter 4, verse 28. And so here's what happens. It says the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Did she get mad at the truth? No, she received it. It changed her life. She went and told everybody about Jesus. She brought a whole crowd to Jesus because she received the truth and the truth set her free. Look at verse 39. This gets even better. Verse 39. It says many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. They didn't get mad and say, get this bigot out of here. He's a judger. No, they said, Jesus, you're awesome. Stay with us. Stay here. Don't leave. He spent two extra days with them preaching, teaching. And look what else he did. It says when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village. So he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. They didn't just hear it. They believed it. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. All this happened because somebody told the truth to someone and didn't lie to him and didn't say, no, it's OK. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's OK for you. I mean, I that's you know, I know it says this, but you 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 pick what's true for you, man. You just be true to yourself. No, be true to God. Do things God's way. And so because of that, a whole village came and received Jesus and said, he's the savior of the world. These were the Samaritans. These weren't even the Jewish people yet. They recognized who Jesus was far before a lot of other people did because they received the truth. Truth is powerful. Truth is powerful. Truth set a whole community free. That's the power of truth. That's the power of truth. There's power in living a lie, too. There's power in telling lies. And it's a negative power because if Jesus hadn't spoke up, if Jesus had lied to these people, if Paul had lied to those people, they never would have came out and received the way to salvation. Lies will hold you in bondage. Lies will make you a captive to whatever it is that's held you back forever and ever. But the truth sets you free. So why is it so important that we believe in an absolute truth? Why is it so important that we believe that truth never changes? Because you need to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God's word will still work for you. If you doubt that God's word is, is correct about sexual sin, then how are you going to have faith to believe for healing? If you believe that God's word is wrong about being a drunkard, then, then why, why, why would you have any faith to believe for God to provide your finances? Well, it's, it's wrong about this, but it, it's right about this because this gets me money. No, it doesn't work that way. You don't pick and choose. It's all or nothing. God is true or God's a liar. What do you think he is? I think he's true. 
I think God's true. And I know God's true. He's proved himself in my life, man, more times than you can imagine. Gary was telling this testimony the other night. Gary is my dad's best friend. He was here Wednesday night. And if those of you that weren't here, I'm sorry, you, you missed a good one. But, uh, but Gary, he, he was telling this story of it happened in my life when I was three. You guys know my story of being healed from leukemia and everything. But as I was going through leukemia, you know, getting blood transfusions, the thing that I didn't like the most as a little child was this thing called a spinal tap. That hurts severely bad if you've ever had one. And I have scars on my back still from having spinal taps as a three-year-old. But through all this, my dad, you know, was told, Gary, listen, I've got faith that he's healed. I, I've got it. I don't doubt that at all. But I, I, in the meantime, I just, I don't want him to be in pain. I don't want him to have to feel this throughout all of it. And so Gary comes in with faith and some verses, Matthew 18, and says, listen, there's two of us here. I've got faith right now that he can complete these procedures and not feel another ounce of pain. Everyone else would say, yeah, right. That's, that's impossible. You know, how can he do that? They laid hands on me. God is my witness. I never felt another needle touch my body. They could be jabbing stuff up my spine. I could have things in both arms. I did not feel a needle touch my skin. For, and I, you can call me a liar if you want to. It's true. For years... For years, I had to get shots and blood transfusions. Even after I was healed, they had to come check my blood all the time. I didn't feel a thing. I was sitting there licking a lollipop with needles in my arms. And there's other kids screaming their eyes out, you know, and I'm like, go ahead, you know, get all this stuff. I'm like, whatever, man. I didn't feel a stinking thing because God's word is true. Gary believed that God's word was not only true about, you know, sexual sin or, and all these things. But he believed that it was true when he said, where two or more of you are gathered in my name, I'm right there in the midst of them. And, 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 you, can, and you, can, you, know, you can lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. All these different verses, they believed that they were true. And I am so thankful Amen. that my dad and mom believed in absolute truth. I'm so glad that they believe that every part of the Bible is true, not just the parts that were inspirational and sounded good. And I can do all things through Christ. That's great. And it's true. But so is everything else in there. And I'm so glad they believed it because, yes, I got healed. Yes, you know, that's a miraculous story. But what's even, you know, so cool, I just love it that I did all of that pain-free, didn't feel a stinking thing. I was drinking Dr. Pepper and licking lollipops for, you know, the rest of the time. And it was awesome. And I didn't feel a thing because of the power of God. Thank God that Jesus never changes. What if they went to pray for me and, and, and they had just heard some preacher say, well, Jesus could heal and, and do miraculous things with him with the 12 apostles, you know, back when he was on the earth. But Bad news, Jesus changed. We don't do that anymore. One time when I was a little kid, I went, we lived out in the country, and so there was this, this little nice little denominational church. I won't mention their denomination, but we went out there to vacation Bible school one year because our church was like an hour away at the time. They weren't pastoring it. Anyway, so they're like, well, you know, this would be fun. Let's send the kids to vacation Bible school out, you know, out, out of this little country church. Listen. I'm a Pentecostal spirit filled kid from the day I was born and they've been teaching me this stuff forever. And and so I'm very strong in my beliefs. And so the teachers, bless her heart, this is very, very old woman. That's all I got to say. She she looked like she had probably like Moses signed her yearbook or something. She was really old. So 
she, she's, she's reading this Bible story about, you know, Jesus healing. I think it was the, the, the lame man on the mat. But anyway, she reads this and, you know, us little kids are like, oh, golly, that's cool. You know, whatever. She closes her Bible and says, but kids, you know that Jesus doesn't do those things anymore. You remember this, Josh? Yeah, he remembers. And so she goes, now, kids, that's a cool story. Don't get too excited because Jesus doesn't do those things anymore. I mean, you got the two wrong kids in the room for that. Liar! Yes, he does! <laughs> I'm telling you what, man. Yes, he does. You're too late to tell me that Jesus changed, that Jesus can't heal leukemia anymore, that Jesus can't... I was crippled myself, and Jesus healed me. And if you want to argue that... I will argue that all day long. I don't like to debate, but if you want to go there, I'll go there and prove to you that Jesus didn't change. He still heals. He still delivers. He still saves. He still brings peace and joy and love to those that will receive it. And the truth shall set you free. And I'm glad that it does. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't change. One last story. This isn't mine, but I, I, anyway, I'm going to tell it anyway. So there's a preacher, Jesse DePlanis. Some of you know him. He was telling a story one time about he's from he's from New Orleans. So he's he's Cajun and, you know, Cajun people. Do we have any? OK, uh, we had one. But he's anyway. So, um, so he's telling this story. This this lady from like the Midwest invites him over. She's like, I make the best gumbo in the world. You just got to come over and try my gumbo. And he's from New Orleans. So he's like. I doubt this, but okay, God's telling him to go. And so he went, knowing that she probably didn't make good Cajun food. You know, I'm, I'm from Indiana. We aren't known for Cajun food. It's just, you know. So, so he goes, and he sets it down. He, he says as soon as he sees her bring the bowl out, he could tell that it was trash gumbo. He's like, this is going to be bad. And so he starts thinking, I've got to... I know lying's wrong, but I'm going to have to this one time, God, because I can't offend this lady because she got her unsaved husband to come to dinner that night. And this guy hated preachers and everything else. She gets the guy to come to dinner. And so he says, as soon as she brings the gumbo out, she sees the hus- he sees the husband and the kids all staring right at him to see what he's going to do. And so she scoops them out and slops it on his plate. He takes one bite. And she's like, so how was it? And, and he's sitting there like, lie, 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 lie. And so finally he said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I can't lie. That is the worst junk I've ever tasted in my life. Go throw it out. Get rid of it. Never do it again. And all of a sudden her husband jumps up right there and slams his fist down on the table and looks right at him and says, I know you're a man of God. Every other preacher I've ever had come here has lied to that woman. This stuff is trash. <laughs> He looks at his wife, the man looks at his wife and says, never make this again, ever. Never do this again. That's trash. He's the first person that's ever told you the truth. I was too afraid to tell the truth. And so Jesse's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. The man got saved. He received Jesus because somebody told the truth about gumbo. Truth is powerful. Truth is powerful. Whether you're telling somebody about something deep or that their cooking stinks, whatever it is, truth is powerful and truth sets people free. What if he lied to spare her feelings? What if he lied just because it was convenient right then? And yes, 
you know, truth is, is, is the Bible's true, but in some situations you've got to lie because it's convenient. No, he told the truth and somebody got born again out of it. And I, and I love that because truth will set you free. And if you don't have an appreciation for freedom, then you've never been bound by something. Because when you've been bound, when something has controlled you like an addiction or a disease or a depression and you've been set free, man, you appreciate freedom like nobody else. If you've been locked up, if you've been in a bad spot and Jesus came and set you free, you're like, I'll take the truth all day long. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. I'll take the truth. I don't care if it hurts because I want to be free. I don't want to be captive ever again. I remember I went to Russia when I was 15. I spent a little bit of time there on a trip. And man, the, the, just the feeling of bondage in the air, the, the look of hopelessness on faces everywhere, because they don't really know what it means to be free. Everywhere, everywhere, people stone-faced and depressed, not a single smile anywhere, and just this Feeling so thick in the air everywhere you go that you're being watched and, and all this stuff is communism, man. And, and all just this nasty feeling that you couldn't shake. I remember landing back in the United States in New York City and just feeling, oh, man, thank you, Jesus. God bless America. Listen to me. If you've ever been in a situation where there's no freedom, whether physically, like in another country or something, but spiritually or anything else, you appreciate freedom. Truth sets you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one's going to the Father unless they go through me. And if you go through Jesus, that means you've got to go right through the truth because he is truth. You've got to receive it. You've got to accept it. And why is truth so important because if Jesus is wrong about one thing, I I can't trust him about other stuff. But the truth is, is that Jesus has never been wrong about anything. He's right about everything and I can trust him. I will trust him. He will deliver me. He will set me free. He will bring me to my destiny if I'll do things his way. The last thing we'll say is this, is that God's way is not usually the easy way, but it's always the right way. It's not usually the easy way, but it is always the right way. And I can promise you this, that if you'll do things his way, if you'll receive the truth, even if it's not easy, the blessings of God are now available to you. Peace, joy, love, provision, healing, health, salvation, all these things are available to you. But you've got to receive the truth. You can't choose what's true to you you got to live and do things God's way. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go ahead and we're going to stand up together today.